are starting a new series uh, called Yearn for More. And uh, if you remember, I talked about this in our vision message when I gave the very, really the first message of the year. I said our theme was that we are going to yearn for more. And I said about halfway through the year, we are going to do a checkup. We are going to revisit it again and say, all right, how are we doing with this? Are we yearning for more? And I believe there's something going on in our church right now. Um, we just had our, our church conference where we trained uh, almost 600 pastors were here and their team were here at our church. We were training them. And I, as I was praying for the conference, the morning of the conference, I was just saying, God, what do you want to speak to these pastors? What do you want to speak to all these people that are here? And I just felt it so clear that God said, uh, tell them no more, less than. No more, less than. No more uh, of living with less than what I want them to have. No more, less than what I want them to worship as. No more, less than. I have dreams for them and plans for them and I want them to live in passion. And so I shared that with them and I share it with you. I feel it's just a, a realignment again of where we're at today saying, God, we yearn for more and I don't want to live at a level of less than what you have for me. There's, this series is, I hopefully, it's going to raise the hunger level. It's going to raise the faith level. It's going to raise our worship level. It's going to be one of those things that will raise our prayer level. It will raise the intensity level of our church. And uh, I'm just believing that this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen in this series. God loves hunger. God loves it when we yearn for more. Uh, God has unlimited resources. And I want us to be, uh, if we can say this, like spiritually greedy for more spiritually greedy for more. Like, and again, you're not taking anybody else's blessing, but you're saying, God, I desire to get all that you have for me. And we can't be a church. You can't be a Christian. You can't be a, a child of God that's just passive, laying back, waiting and sitting there. I believe we've got to lean in and say, God, we desire everything that you have for us. He's been too good to us for us to be lazy. He's just been too good for us to be lethargic. He's just been too good for us, you know, just to sit back and wait. We've got to be leaning in and going after everything God has. And again, as a form of review uh, in that vision message that I did, I, I read Psalm 84 too, and David is saying this. He's saying, my soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. And when people would read this, they were realizing that they were going to the temple. They were going to the temple of God where the courts would be. And by that, I mean the courtyards. And they'd get closer to God and closer to God. And, and he's like, I'm longing for that. I'm looking for that. I'm way out here. But God, as I'm walking toward you, I'm longing for you. I'm almost fainting. I'm like, I'm just so thirsty for what you have for me. That's the intensity that we need to have. All right, so uh, I'm not sure how it's going at all of our campuses around uh, the state of Minnesota, but at Apple Valley, they need a little encouragement. Turn to your neighbor, say, yearn for more. Everybody do that, yearn for more. At all the campus, come on. There's, there's a desire. We've got to have this. We've got to be going after it and leaning into all that God has for us. In the, in the vision message, I talked about uh, the Feast of Tabernacles. Again, just getting us caught up to speed. This is a mid-year review. This is a multi-week series. But we talked about the Feast of Tabernacles. And in that feast, um, they would live in tents. And it was reminding them of God providing for them and their relationship with God and God providing for them in the wilderness when they were in tents. And so they would do this uh, feast. And in Leviticus 23 and in different passages, you see about the Feast of Tabernacles. And they had different branches, 
different branches that were used in this uh, ceremony and in this festival. And some of the branches had beautiful uh, fruit and food on them. Some of them had beautiful smells. And if you remember, we talked about the willow branch. And uh, I love the willow branch at our mid-year sermon checkup because it actually has leaves on it. If you remember in January, it just looked like alien hair. You know what I'm saying? Okay, but I just took what I had. It was January, all right? But it was, it was, we were talking about this, and for those of you that weren't here, and again, as a refresher, we were saying, like, why would God want them to use the willow branch? It doesn't have any real value. The other ones had fruit. The other ones had food, and they had beautiful smells and things like that. And the willow, what was that for? And some of the rabbis have just thought that the reason that God would want that as part of the ceremony and part of the festival is saying, stay thirsty, Stay thirsty because the willow, what it does well, what it does so strong is just drink up more water and drink. It's always thirsty. It's always looking for more. Matter of fact, a willow tree can drink up a hundred gallons in one day, staying thirsty. And so as they would have these other things, it would be like one of the branches would represent like no God. And the other one would be like do great things for God. That's what some of those branches represented. And they believe this one represented stay thirsty for God. Stay yearning for God. Look for more. Lean in. Don't sit back and go for it and have a passion life that is just saying, God, I want everything you have for me. I'm yearning for you and I'm leaning into you. So I'm asking us to find the passion, to find our passion for God. And I'm not talking about find your passion in life because your passion in life really needs to be Jesus. And I know that a a lot of people say like, I'm really trying to find my passion. And when I do, I'm going to jump at it. Even parents are like, what's your passion? And kids are like, I don't know. I'm just a kid. How many know what I'm talking about? I'm just a kid. And parents are like, well, you need to find your passion. And then when you find your passion, we'll spend a gazillion dollars giving you a coach in your passion. And the kid's like, I'm just a kid. I want to play. There's no coach for playing. Come on, find your passion. All right, enough of that. All right. My parents are like, we don't care what your passion is. Get outside. All right. I'm talking about having a a passion for God and having a yearning for God and saying everything you have for me, Lord, is what I desire. I desire you. You are my passion. And with the same zeal and intensity that people will say like, my kid is good at this and then hire a coach and spend all the money and drive across the nation and do all that. I want you to have that same passion and saying, God, I desire to make a difference for you. I desire to make a difference for you. I have zeal, I have passion, I have tenacity. I believe Jesus was going there. I believe Jesus was going there and trying to get us to go there. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, because someone asked him, they said, what's the greatest commandment? What's the greatest commandment? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And it's all, all, all. And I'm just saying right now, we need to live in that level of all, 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 yearning, zeal, tenacity, passion, all, all, all. And I don't think we live that close to that level, but that should be our aim. That should be our aim that we're saying, God, I desire to be living all in and and with everything I've got. And I believe this, without the help of God, we're, we're a very lukewarm people. We just are. I, I, I don't, it's, it, it troubles me. It's like, why in the world do we reset in our passion life, you know, at, at, at lukewarm? You know, you realize we are warm-blooded creatures. Thank God for that, all right? We are warm-blooded. 
and that means that we maintain 98.6. I mean, we are there, 98.6. You know, we're right there, and we are maintaining a, a constant temperature. We are maintaining a, a level of warmth, but we have a warm-blooded bodies. And then how many know, again, we have cold-blooded spiritual lives. So many of us come into church, and we're kind of like, what's the mood? It was a little overcast outside. Little rainy, looks like everybody's depressed in here. I'll join them. Sometimes people come in and you might be just hot. You might be running spiritual fever. And can I say this? Spiritual fever is okay, all right? You might be running spiritual fever. You come into the room and everybody's like, whoa, whoa, what's wrong with you? Give him some aspirin, chill him down, bring him down. Don't let it happen. Stay hot for God. We, we are warm-blooded, and I thank God for that. And, and the, the wonderful thing about cold-blooded animals is they can hibernate, but I don't believe God wants your faith to hibernate. And so let's keep a warm-blooded faith. Let's say, God, I desire to be on fire for you, just ready to go, staying hot. Don't let the room determine. Don't let the weather. Isn't that interesting about Minnesotans? We are so weather-dependent. Most Minnesotans could not live in Seattle. You know that? Because we're like, oh, it's overcast. Let's go worship Jesus. Today's a, a down day. <laughs> I, then it, I love summer days. I love summer. People are coming in. They're a little sunburnt. It's like a little glory on them. And they're like, ah. Maybe that's why we're doing this series here. Man, don't be a, a cold-blooded believer. Let's be warm-blooded. Let's go after it and say, God, I desire, I desire to, to have the, the temperature of my heart, the temperature of my passion be reflected as a consistent, hot-for-you, right temperature, not cooling down. Again, Jesus said, love God with all your heart. What does that mean? That means your passions, your desires, your affections, your emotions. He's saying, love God with your, all your heart. He's saying, love God with all your soul, with your inner being. He's saying, love God with all your mind. You don't have to leave your brains at the door. You can love God and fill your thoughts with him and educate yourself and get the knowledge of God. Love God with all your strength, your power, your might, all the oomph that you have and saying, God, I desire to love you with everything I have. As we look at this, we look at zeal, passion, tenacity, yearning for more. I've been looking at different people in the Bible, and there's all sorts of amazing stories about people that have a, a yearning for more. They have a, a yearning, a desire, a passion, a zeal, and we're going to look at them in this series. And I want to start out with a lady here. Um, that was just review, by the way. That just got us to the spot right here. All right. Matthew 15, if you have your Bibles, I want to talk about a lady that just had a level of yearning and desire and tenacity and, and zeal and wanting something more from God, saying no more, less than. If God has this for me, I'm not living down here. I'm going after everything he has. No more, less than. I'm fighting for everything that God has available and I'm going after it. It says in, in Matthew 15, verse 21, it says, and Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she's crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. 
But she came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Great story here of a lady that was yearning for more, that was saying no more, less than. I'm gonna get all that God has for me. I, I, I have a passion, a thirst, a hunger, and there's so much to learn from this lady. Now, this is interesting. This is the only account that we have in the Bible of Jesus leaving a Jewish area, really leaving the Jewish area that was uh, all inhabited by the Jewish people and that was comfortable for them to live in, to work in, to be occupying in. It was that region in Israel. And so this is the only account of him leaving this territory and going out there. And he's leaving um, to get away from the crowds. He's leaving to get away to have a retreat with his disciples, if you will. Interestingly enough, the area that he was actually going in was actually part of the promised land that the Jewish people were never able to possess. So it was outside their area that they were able to possess, but it was land that was promised to them. And so even though Jesus is outside the zone, he's in his zone because he said, that's your land. Interesting thought. But he's there and he wants to just get away. He wants to get away where less people really know him and, and break in on him. He wants to get away from the religious people in particular because they were dogging him and coming after him. And he needs to prepare his disciples for his uh, coming crucifixion. He understands what's coming and he's trying to prepare them. He's not getting psyched up. He needs time for them so they understand. And as a good leader, he's thinking about them and he's taking them away and giving them time so they can just download what he's, he's giving to them. And this lady comes up and she has a, a, a problem because her daughter is tormented by a demon, a real demon, and they really exist, okay? Uh, I was talking the other day about Global Team India, and if you, if you wanted spiritual warfare, just go to any global trip that deals with India. Um, our team was there and I was doing a pastor school. We were running into town and they dropped me off at the pastor school and said, you need to teach. And they took the team right into the village and they said, you're going to go out and do outreach into the village and you're going to invite people to the stadium tonight where our pastor is going to be preaching. And they opened the van door and they're about ready to say like, hi, we're from River Valley. And uh, a demon-possessed lady came running right at the van screaming. How many want to sign up for a global team now, huh? You're like... <laughs> India, let's go. And, and what's interesting is one of the guys has said, in the name of Jesus, silence and stop. And the lady stopped right there. And every, afterwards, everybody was like, did you know? How, how'd you know? He said, it's in the Bible. I did what was in the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> it's good, good. Do what's in the Bible. Anyway, this lady, her daughter is tormented by a demon. And that, that pain, that suffering brings her to a moment of hunger and yearning and desire. And I don't know what you have today. I don't know what you have. It may be a sickness. It may be a spiritual need. It may be a, a family crisis. It may be something that is tormenting you that brings you to a moment that says, no more less than. I'm fighting for what I need. I'm going to go after this. I need something. I need a breakthrough. And if that's you, I'm praying at the end of the service, you'll, you'll fight in for the prayer teams. You'll say, no more, less than. I, I'm yearning for more. I'm desiring. Let your need push you to the Savior. Because that's what happened with this lady. 
And she must have heard something good about Jesus. And so she's going to go find Jesus. She is going to go right up to him. And Jesus sees her passion, her zeal, her yearning. He sees this on her, her faith uh, right away. He has to. Because first of all, I believe that God can see faith from like a mile away. I believe it. God can see faith. He can just see it. He know, because why? Because it pleases him. Because it brings honor to him when people come to him with faith. When they believe that he can do something rather than saying, well, I don't know. When somebody comes in and goes, I know. I know. Okay? So that's how this lady was coming in. And we know that Jesus must have known something was up right away because she was a woman talking to a man in that culture. Again, not common. We know that she was a foreigner, again, talking to Jesus, not common. And so Jesus understands this lady is up for something. She wants something. She has a tenacity with her and she's going to get what she desires. You got to have that. You got to have that tenacity. And, and I, I preached a sermon about Connor's healing and Becca having tenacious mama faith. This is where it came from. This lady had tenacious mama faith. And I thank God for moms and the love that they have for their children that caused them to fight for a miracle. That's what she had. She's like, oh, I'm going to get in there. And she goes in there and, say, and, and there's all sorts of things that are going on. And Jesus had to have been, again, he had to have known that this woman had faith he had to have known that something spectacular was about to happen. And so he can see her faith. And in the moment, in the dialogue, in the interplay of the text and what's going on there, I believe that Jesus was looking at her faith, impressed with it, and he was ready to show it off to all the people around him, his disciples in particular. And I think he's getting ready to reward her. Like that's, he's already there as it starts. Okay, so you got to understand, Jesus sees the faith, knows it's there and knows what's going to happen. And he's getting ready to have this whole scenario come down. And you got to understand, Jesus was much nicer than what you read in the, you know, you look at the text, you're like, wow, that is really mean Jesus. Don't, don't do that to me, Lord. If I come to you, you're like, don't do that. Again, Jesus was showcasing how amazing her faith was and he knew she could handle it. Okay? So she comes up and she's like, Jesus, I need you to heal my daughter. She's tormented by a demon. And what does he do? He gives her the cold-blooded treatment. Nothing. Silence. He just cold bloods her just like, I don't hear. I'm not affected by your temperature. I'm, gonna, I'm cold on this. I'm silent. I mean, how many times have you ever prayed and you just feel like heaven is giving you the cold blood treatment? You know, you're like, Lord, here's my need. And it just feels like nothing. And if you're like most people, again, we drop down. We drop down. The moment we don't get our need answered right now, we drop way down and we assume a lower temperature. Like, oh, no. You know? And this lady's like, oh, no, I'm not being deterred. I'm not being deterred. I'm not being deterred. You may give me the silent treatment, but I am not being deterred. I am not being deterred in this. I am going to keep talking to you. I am going to keep pressing you. I'm going to keep coming after you, and I'm not going to let go. Tenacious mama faith. That's yearning. That's hunger. That's how we should come to church. That's how we should go to prayer. Again. I could just see her like, Jesus, 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 heal my daughter, heal my daughter, Jesus, heal my daughter. What's your name? Peter, Peter, get me to Jesus. Peter, get me to Jesus. I need to talk to Jesus. He's not talking. Uh, somebody 
how do I get Jesus to talk? And, you know, mommy, 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 like daddy, daddy, what? You know, that's how it was. And interesting thing, let me just speak to us, okay? I thank God I, that the disciples, that there's the humanity on them. Because how many know they are total jerks in this scenario here? They're like, Jesus, could you just get rid of her? Get rid of her. She is, what, is the, what does the text say? The text says, she's bothering us. They don't say, Jesus, could you help her? She's got a legitimate need. You're, you're, you have authority over demons. Can we just help her? Could we throw a bonus blessing to a Canaanite woman? I mean, if they were thinking, but instead they're like, just get her out of here because she's bothering us. Can I tell you something about leadership? People in your life group are going to bother you someday. <laughs> Love them anyways. If you're going to usher, people are going to bother you. If you're going to work in kids, they're going to bother you. I mean, you just, you rise above the bother and realize it's not about you anyways, you know? All right. So thank God that the Bible puts it in there. All the times the disciples are jerks, it gives me hope, you know. And, and Jesus is like, I don't see her as a nuisance. I see her as a child that has a need. She has a need. There's something that's going there. And so Jesus says, you know, I, I was sent first to the children of Israel. I was sent to the Jewish people. And what does she just say? She's like, Lord, help me. She's like, she doesn't argue with him. She just again says, help, help. And then he's like, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Okay, now you got to understand here, again, sounds really mean, because in their culture, they did call people that weren't Jewish people dogs. And they didn't say it affectionately, okay? It was like street dog, like, aren't we glad we're not like the dogs? It was a very, very bad term, okay? But I want you to know that, again, we, we don't get into the text enough. We don't know all the ways that the words written in the original language are, but I want to let you know that Jesus doesn't call her a street dog. He calls her a pet dog. All right. So track with me. And when he says it, when he says it like, Hey, uh, it's not right to give the children's bread to the dogs. He doesn't say it like, you know, I'm trying to think of who has like a sneering. Okay, uh, please don't be offended if you're French. But it was like, we don't give the food to the dogs. You know, it was like, you know, I mean, like, get out of here, lady. You know, it was like, that's the best I got right there. Um, he doesn't do it like that. He doesn't do it like that. I want you to understand the way the text is written. He's like, it's not right to give the children's bread to the dogs. And he kind of, I'm, I'm sure he gave her a head look like right there. Like, what are you going to do with that one? He was not trying to run her away. He was throwing one back to her like, what are you going to do with that one? What are you going to do with that one? And he doesn't call her a street dog. He calls her a pet dog. Very different. Because in their culture, just imagine our culture, you know how we have families that will have, you know, poodles and Yorkies and chihuahuas and they'll bring them in, you know. And by the way, we have a policy at River Valley that if you have a service dog, you can bring your dog into church, but not if it's like, you know, a pet dog, okay? But we did have one time, <laughs> this lady brought a, a little chihuahua in and we said, ma'am, our policy is if it's a service dog, that's perfectly fine. And, uh, but if it's a pet, you know, we're, we're going to ask that you just not bring your pet. She goes, it's a service dog. I was too intimidated to ask. I was like, bring it in, bring it in. All right, whatever it's for, I'm with you. All right. But he says, you're a little pet dog. You're little, and it was actually an endearing thing in a way. And he was saying, you know what? The children have little dogs that we let them take care of. There's little pet dogs. 
little Yorkies, little poodles, little things like that that the family is endeared to. And, and the lady's grabbing a hold of this and she's, she's just grabbing it like, if I'm not your child, if I'm not one of the Jewish children, I, I get where you're going with this. I'm one of your creatures and you love your creatures and I'm working with you on this one. If you're testing me, I'm going after this. And then she comes in with it and she says, well, but wait a minute, wait a minute. She said, even the dogs get the crumbs. Even the dogs get the crumbs. Come on, from the kids, they get the crumbs. And, and she's fighting in this moment, fighting with God, but not against God. Let me just be clear with this. There's a difference between mad with God and fighting against him and fighting with him. Like, come on, God, I, I'm praying for this. I need this. I desire this. Please bless me. And that's how she fights with it. And, and, and there's a saying that says, push, pray until something happens. Push. We need more of this in our life. Push, pray until something happens. Keep pushing, keep fighting. And that's what this lady has. She's pushing, she's fighting. She's like, give me a crumb. And again, with our prayer teams, I would pray. You know what would make me so happy as your pastor? It would make me so happy to have to do an announcement in the upcoming weeks that we need more prayer teams because more people are pushing against the crowd leaving than leaving so quick after church. Uh, that you would say, I'm ready to pray. I'm going to the side, I'm going to the front. Where if there's a prayer team member, I'm grabbing them. I'm going to pray until something happens. I'm going to keep getting in there. And this lady is either referencing one of two things about kids. She's either referencing like kids, when they're eating, they will drop food on the floor and I want what they drop. How many know that if you have kids and you have a pet, your kids will figure that out, right? Just one of those moments, a piece will inadvertently fall. The dog will be just happy, eat it, gobble it in a millisecond, you know, before you could reach it. And the kid will see that and you're like, oh no, we've created a monster. The kid will be like, you know. But how many know if you have to clean your plate as a kid that having a dog is an amazing gift? Unless it's broccoli, they ain't touching that. But She's either referencing the kid like tossing it or she's referencing this. I have this loaf of bread here. In their culture, they didn't have napkins. They didn't have napkins. And so after they would eat with their hands, they would eat with their hands. And again, if you go on a global team like to Morocco or the Middle East, you will eat with your hands. You will actually not have utensils and you'll eat with your hands and there'll be food all over your hands. And at the end of the meal, the people would take their hands and they would just dig it into the bread like this and they would get the food off of their hands by digging into the bread. That's how they did their napkin. And so she's either referencing a kid carelessly throwing food or, there, or she's saying when the kid, oh, see that has to go in there and do it that all of a sudden something's going to fall off and she's going to have like a little bit of napkin blessing, huh? And all of a sudden it just drops off and all of a sudden there it is. And she's saying, hey, when the kids are done with their blessings and they're washing their hands, I just want a crumb to fall on me. Just give me a crumb. Now, here's the crazy thing. She realizes that Jesus giving her this miracle is nothing more than a crumb in his economy. And in her economy, it's a world changer. Realize that. When God gives you a miracle, in, in, the, in the, just the scope of his greatness, it is a crumb from cleanup. And to you, it's a world changer. And this lady grabs it. She's like, let me have what the kids are washing their hands with and let me just get my miracle. And at that moment, Jesus is so impressed with her because this lady gets it. 
This lady gets it. She's yearning for something. She has a passion for something. She has a desire for something. And she's saying, God, I, I desire this. I want this. I need this. Give me the crumbs. And Jesus says something amazing. He says, as you desire, so be it. As you, like, it's yours. Wow, it's yours. You get it. And Jesus was giving us a glimpse into the fact that his grace was getting ready to go to all the world. But this lady, again, gives us a glimpse into somebody fighting for what they wanted, having a passion, having a zeal, having a thirst, not taking no for an answer, and fighting and pushing. And I believe right now in our church we need more tenacious mama faith. We need more... Um, People that'll pray until something happens. When heaven cold bloods you, you just keep the heat on and you say, I'm gonna keep the temperature up. If this is a test, I'm passing the test. I'm gonna fight for it. I'm gonna stay thirsty. I'm gonna plead for this with intensity. People are not a bother to me. People are an opportunity and I'm staying thirsty. So here at all of our campuses, I want us to stand up and I want us to pray for this moment. I want us to be thirsty. I want us to be hands up saying, God, just like the willow man, I'm thirsty. I'm grabbing for all that you have. I, I, I'm, I'm going to pray until something happens. I'm going to be aggressive. I'm going to fight my way into prayer team members. I desire, Lord, to have a yearning for more. And I just pray you'll honor that faith that's in me. So Lord, I pray for that right now that there'd be a faith that pleases you, a faith that says we're yearning for more, a faith that stays hungry, a faith that doesn't limit your resources. Lord, the, the crumbs, the cleanup crumbs could change our lives. And so God, in this moment, I just pray that that thought would grab hold of us. Clean up crumbs in Jesus' name. Clean up crumbs in Jesus' name. Let us grab all that you have for us, all that you have for us, in Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen, amen.